0: my babies and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy
1: National Cheese Souffle Day, Joe. What is a souffle? Isn't it a dessert? I'm with you. A souffle, to me, should be sweet, but it can also be savory. I stress can be. I don't think it should be. I'm
0: I'm not feeling the cheese souffle. No, no. Unless we're it's agreed. like a, a cheesecake, which is kind of good. Anyway, Coming up on today's show, it's our Monte Carlo recap show. There was a super high roller. There was a France poker series. There was also an EPT main event. There was also a super secret cash game show. And going back to the main event, there was a third ever two time live EPT champion, Mike Watson. Won the main event. And we'll be talking to him about that victory on this week's show. And we're also right in the thick of it for the next three weeks with Scoop. Three streams down. Six to go. And we'll be checking in today with our
1: Scoop correspondent, Howard Swains. Four conversations with Howard in one week. What more could you ask for? I, re- I love talking to Howard
0: so I really much. Do that I don't even mind that it's mostly about scoop. I'll take what I can get with Howard Swains. Uh, this week's super fan, Jamie McHugh, which is apparently spelled M-C-H-U-G-H. I always thought it was M-C-Q. Huh. Uh, and he's picked a movie from the 1970s about World War II called A Bridge Too Far. I have a lot of to say about this movie, more to say about this movie than any movie I have seen in a while.
1: That is interesting. Okay, we'll save it for when Jamie's on the line and we'll talk to him about it. I have a few things to say about the film as well. Um, Joe, I think it's fair to say, and this is how we kicked off our first scoop stream on Monday, that the entire poker world has been, obviously in mourning for the last 72 hours. The news that Dor Brunson has died R.I.P. Doyle is sadly no longer just a stream meme. The man they call the godfather of poker did die at the weekend at the age of 89. And Doyle was obviously a two-time World Series of Poker main event winner. He was a WPT champion. He was a Poker Hall of Famer. Looking through our lens, he played on the big game. He was a regular on the big game, but he only ever played one EPT, came over to London in 2011. And we talked about this on Monday's live stream. Because of that, neither of us really knew him and didn't have many interactions with him. The only time I actually met him was in Vegas in the summer of 2005 when I got him to sign my copies of Super System and Super System 2. But I always had a lot of respect for him especially as someone of that generation who very much embraced the advent of television who embraced the advent of online poker who really got what the poker boom was about and the role he should play in it and how he could potentially benefit from that whereas i think a lot of the other players of his generation didn't really have a clue what was going on and didn't like it very much
0: yeah, I think that's a, a multitude of factors. First of all, I just want to address regular in the big game is true, uh, but much like he played on the EPT one time, being a regular in the big game, we shot a season of the big game in a week. Right, uh, We shot the entire season two of the big game in a week. So, you know, what appeared as if I may have spent several days on set with Doyle Brunson was like maybe a total of four. Um, over the course of two years, so and most of the time when I was interacting with Doyle, I was either side by side with Daniel or side by side with Amanda, who obviously was the hostess of the show, uh, who went on to marry Daniel. And Doyle was much more interested in talking to those people than to me because remember, the first time I interacted with Doyle in the big game, I had never been on television before, yeah, it hadn't aired yet. So, no one, you know, I don't think Doyle ever was really quite aware of who I was. And the only other interactions we ever had online was people tagging Doyle in trying to prove me wrong about stuff. It'd always be like, can you tell this guy it's not hold cards? Can you tell this guy he didn't invent all takes is a chip and a chair? So my guess is I was probably kind of even a little annoying to Doyle, which is why I don't really uh, – we didn't really interact that much. What you just said, however – as I totally agree with you, and uh, I think of many players from his generation, m- many of them didn't want TV attention for a multitude of reasons. I think yeah. it's because they weren't used to operating in the light. Um, you know, n- not to name any names or say anything about Doyle specifically, but the era in which these guys mostly became good poker players, uh, what they were doing was underground, for lack yes. of a better word. Absolutely. Uh, So the TV cameras, I believe, scared them. Many of them did not stand the test of time skill-wise the way Doyle did once television became involved and the game advanced. Uh, So I think for those two reasons, yes, it is rare. And then he outlived all of them, uh, which is also saying something, given how hard that lifestyle was, I assume, at a certain point. I think that poker players in the modern age have adopted yoga and veganism and uh, have realized the evils of alcohol and smoking. But, you know, I don't know what Doyle's actual habits were by the time he became an older fella, but he certainly was around pretty a a lot of smoke and booze for several decades of his life.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's been great, though, seeing so many people share their memories of Doyle and share some classic moments from various TV shows that he's appeared on over the years um I well before we move on to Monte Carlo by the way and I know we're kind of going out of sequence here but after we wrapped on the EPT in Monaco you were in London for a few days for a few meetings and the good thing about that is you had a comedy show on a Wednesday night that I got to come to and then we got to hang out the following night as well
0: yeah it's been a while since we've hung out outside of a, a poker tournament granted it was still a somewhat of a work trip, but yeah. Uh, and also James crossed borders in the city of London. I don't know if you guys know <laughs> how this works or not, but in London, going to the other side of town, you're more likely to get someone to say fly to France to hang out with you or come to Amsterdam to hang out with you than to get someone from Southwest London to go to Northeast London. Uh, and so James rode the overground. He was like a child. He was like, what's this what's what is this, this
1: orange line on the map I never he, knew this was here
0: he was asking if he had a trade in his currency for East <laughs> London money it was uh, it was strange getting James out to East London and it was a pretty cool part of town though wasn't it
1: was yes, it yes it was it was a very cool part of town and it was a great gig as I expected it to be was on familiar ground though on Thursday night because then you came to me and you got to eat and I'm quoting here the best pad tie I've ever had.
0: That was the best. My favorite Pad Thai, I should say. You know what's weird when it comes to various Asian cuisines is that, like, what you like might not be what's considered good. Right? right. Like, I love Panda Express, but I'm sure that's not considered good Chinese food. However, this place was a nice restaurant, and it was, yeah, it was the most I've ever enjoyed a Pad Thai uh, was at that place. So I'm glad I went there. And then... James, uh, yesterday on the broadcast, you said this on the broadcast, so I'm not going to feel bad about saying it here, uh, mentioned being in the midst of a midlife crisis. So after we had uh, our pad tie, he's like, let's go get a drink. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, let's go get another drink. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then a guy, then a drunk guy bothered us who I could have sworn walked up and said, James, are you enjoying the view? And I thought we were being harassed by like... Uh, a poker fan, which does happen from time to time, especially in London. He um, said
1: and, gents.
0: And then he tried to tell us about his life as a drug dealer, but now he's trying to build a school for children in Pakistan. And it was typical, <laughs> annoying drunk guy bullshit and ruined the nice time I was having with James. So when we left there, he's like, uh, how about one more drink? <laughs> so we, uh, so we did a little bar hopping in uh, in in the very, in James's very nice neighborhood, and uh, it was good times. Really quick to go back to the comedy night. I just want to shout out all the people who came out, who are various poker fans slash fans of the podcast slash friends of mine and ours, um, like. Uh, Matt Broughton came out, and uh, Matt's friends Steve and Simon, who are always very supportive, Growler was there, and her her partner Ash came out. Uh, a couple of poker dealers came out. Uh, uh, Bobby and um, uh, Gediminas, people who have been coming out to, to hang for years. My friends, uh, a couple of ex-girlfriends of mine, or girls that I would have liked to have been ex-girlfriends of mine. It was a, a nice showing.
1: And saving the best to last, Barney Boatman... Barney
0: Boatman came out. Yeah, I mean, there's just a ton. Vivi, who used to work with us, who's a big fan of the podcast, came out. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out at this point now that I started name-checking people. But it was really, really cool to see everybody and a really fun, nice night. And given that I went on last, people can often be out of energy by the time I take the stage. And everyone was really cool and supportive. And it was a, a really, really great night.
1: Um, as far as TV and movies are concerned I think we pretty much talked about everything during the Scoop streams we covered off Succession and Barry and I know you got to discuss Guardians 3 with Griffin and I'm sure we'll revisit that movie once I've had a chance to see it so let's move on because it is a busy show Um, we're going to deal with things in chronological order so before we get to Scoop let's recap EPT Monte Carlo. It is actually only a week and a half since we came back from the Pokestars EPT presented by Monte Carlo Casino. It feels like a month and a half. I know it's a cliche, and I say this every single time, but because we always have a few days off after a live event, and we never record the podcast immediately afterwards, when we come to recap that event, it often feels like a distant memory. It shouldn't. It should be fresh in my mind, but it isn't.
0: I mean, when you say days off, that's we're putting that kind of loosely. It wasn't <laughs> wasn't days without work. It was just days without doing a broadcast or a
1: or, sure, or a, okay, or a okay. Podcast. Point being that really it wasn't that long ago, and yet it seems like it. So I'm actually struggling to recall a lot of the trip. And just to be clear, I did not drink that much on this trip. Ah, that night.
0: much being the qualifier. Yeah, no, but
1: by um, the last night, which we'll come to later on.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, um, it, it was almost, no, it wasn't. It does feel a lot longer than it really was. I was trying to look real quick, but no. So, yeah, so the first thing we did, what are we allowed to say? What are we What are we allowed okay. to say about that first thing?
1: So, basically, we filmed a series yeah. uh, on the first day, on the Saturday after we arrived, called the Pokestars Mystery Cash Challenge. And all we're going to say about it at this point is that it's a new format, it's a cash game with a twist, Clearly, it's the first time we've tried it. I think it worked based on what we saw in the moment. But of course, this now has to be post-produced. This is going to be a series that will be appearing ex- exclusively on the Stars YouTube channel in the summer. And the format is very much designed as a series of short-form episodes, very much designed as a YouTube strand. So... I'll be interested to see how those episodes turn out. But we had Griffin, Maria, and Sam playing in the game. Alex Botes was also playing in that game. And yeah, I mean, you were there watching it as well, Joe. Do you think it will be successful? Do you think it'll work? Before
0: I answer that question, have you ever seen a taping of a show where the taping looked good and worked well and the TV didn't?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I think sometimes in the moment you have a really good feeling about something and yeah. maybe it doesn't translate as well in the edit. Not, I don't think it's ever as as, as much as, wow, this was great. Oh, this is terrible. But like, yeah. oh, this is really good. Actually, it's kind of just okay.
0: I guess the only way that that might happen in, in – the modern era with us is that we are so attached to the players and know them so well and and sort of all know and love them so much that seeing them and the fun they're having translates to us in the moment but not necessarily on TV. I don't think that's going to happen, I guess is my point. Yeah. That doesn't seem like that will happen with this. It seemed really fun. It was fun in the moment. The players had fun. There was enough action. Look, one of the things that – That really breaks my heart about televised poker or streamed poker is that I always, despite the fact that I am enjoying what I'm watching, a lot of times it seems like the audience doesn't really recognize it unless they're playing for high stakes. And I think the stakes here were high enough that, uh, that that will work anyway. So I think it'll go well. I personally love personality-driven, love fun-driven. I wouldn't care if they were playing a 5-5 game um, or a $1, $2 game. I would have found this just as entertaining, but I think the stakes in this are high enough that it'll it'll satisfy everyone.
1: And I would highlight that they're high enough that we had, and I'm not going to say who, a player who lost tens of thousands of dollars in this game, but still really enjoyed themselves. So I guess that speaks to the format working. Um, And how rich they probably are, but yeah that true um (laughs) so the first of our streams we did two final tables back to back there was the fps main event and then the super high roller and i remember both final tables being relatively short i remember them being done inside of like five or six hours i do clearly remember the super high roller and i remember the win by alex kulev which is really cool to see because this is a guy who we've kind of Seen breaking out from the online scene as Future of Me into the live world, play these big buy-in events, and somebody different winning a super high roller. No disrespect to the Mikita Bodzikowskis of this world, but to have a new champion in one of these 100k buyin events was good to see.
0: It was good to see, but I have a feeling we're going to be sick of seeing Alex Kulev lifting trophies eventually too. He's going to be, he's going to be one of the Mikita Bajakovskis of the world. Probably in the next year or two.
1: Obviously, I always feel that those final table streams at the start are very much the warm-up. For me, the kind of meat and potatoes, the main course is always going to be the main event itself. And here we had five consecutive days of the main event. We had that first day with our world-famous bubble coverage. Uh, Pretty chunky bubble this time around. In Monte Carlo, it kind of went the distance. Um, it was and, a whole
0: hour, right? An hour like Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
1: absolutely. And of course, one of the earliest story points, which was very much uh, something that we focused on because it involved a member of the commentary team, was Maria Ho, who came into day two as a big stack, went out very, very early on, which was a surprise to everyone. I imagine it was a surprise to Maria as well because she got into a huge pot against Mike Watson. Mike got very lucky against her and eliminated her and he became a very big stack very early on in this tournament. And so we had this running joke that Maria was anti-railing Mike Watson and every single day he would bag a top 10 stack and, spoiler alert, Mike Watson came into the final table, Mike Watson goes on to win utilizing those chips that he won from Maria during the first session of day two.
0: Yeah, and didn't just win, but like sort of put on the performance that you would expect from the guy that you expect to win it. Um, both as a a classy ambassador of the game, but also you know, many of the hands he played were quite interesting. Even the final hand, and in a, in a much more interesting way, than a lot of the it's like, OK, someone has a nine to one chip lead and, uh, you know, they someone's got to shove King Jack suited and the other person has ace deuce and they run the board and whatever, whatever. Um, you know, the, the whole thing was, was pretty good. It's going to cut down. Oh, it won't cut down, I guess, because we're not necessarily making any TV shows from there. But if we were, it would cut down to a pretty cool story of Mike Watson um, sort of from start to finish being a force. At the final table, uh, and looking forward to talking to Mike in a couple of minutes.
1: Yeah, and some other good characters at that final table, like Leonard Maurer and like Leo Lees. So it was, uh, oh, yeah. it was a fun one to cover, and it was a fun final table and a good heads-up battle to conclude on. And it concluded at a reasonable hour. We referenced a few times that Monte Carlo, over the years, we have seen some very long final tables, 2014, 2019, being the two standouts that went on until the early hours of the morning. But we were done in time to go out for dinner with Maria. And then I persuaded Joe to walk with me to the after party, which was at the Irish bar. And despite the fact that we've been going to Monte Carlo for more than 10 years now, and... We have been to that bar conservatively 50 times. <laughs> we got lost because we somehow ended, going, ended up too far up the hill and having to go, we up, went up too many steps, had to come down some more steps, crossed what felt like a motorway, then went that way, then went back on ourselves. What should have been a 20-minute walk actually became a 40-minute walk.
0: All right. Well, here's the thing is that I have this thing about um, kind of when I don't have to be somewhere at a particular time, I kind of let the universe guide me and I didn't want to take out my phone. I didn't want to like map quest how to walk to the Irish bar. And I was like, you know what? This feels right. This feels like the right way to go. Let's just go this way. Let's just have a walk. It might not be the most efficient way to get there. Turns out that story checked out. It wasn't the most efficient way to get there, but I don't regret it. I don't regret the extra steps. I don't regret the extra breath that it took to get there. Um, but I do see here in our little notes, it says Joe's one drink in quotation marks. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't want to go at all to the bar. And if I, if you twist my arm into going to out for drinks and then I stay for longer, I'm just not going to go next time if you're going <laughs> to give me a hard time about staying for longer. I'm not you
1: a hard time. I just found it amusing that initially you said, I'll walk with you, but I'm not staying for a drink. I'm going back. Then when we got there, it's like, well, that walk took longer than I was expecting. I've woken up a little bit now. I- I- I'll stay for a drink. Fast forward five hours. It's because
0: I allow myself to be um, emotionally... Held hostage by not just you, by lots of people who are like, "Oh no, stay!" Like I never get to hang out with you. I never get to see you. We never get to have a drink together. So it wasn't just you. It was you and then members of the crew, and then Spraggy, and then Griffin, and then some of the dealers. And I end up feeling this obligation to stay and hang out with people. All I wanted to do is go back to my room, watch Thirty Rock. I think I ended up walking back with Griffin at like three thirty in the morning. And what happened, I my, my car was coming to get me at like, t- oh yeah, now I remember. Now I remember. I'm generally used to sitting alone in the car on my way to the airport and just being able to like, you know, sit in my own sort of like tiredness and almost never do I shower before I get on a flight to leave an event. And James was like... Hey, buddy, I think I'm going to share a car with you. So I ended up not having that like that time alone to just sulk in my hangover. And also, you know, I famously don't get hangovers. I don't know if I, how often I talk about this. Like, I really don't get hangovers. But I've kind of weaned off drinking a little bit. I don't drink as much as I used to. I used to, you know, be out drinking like every single night. And now that I only do it occasionally, now I do feel it the next day. So that combination of like staying out till three in the morning and be like, all right, at least I can just sit in the car and like not talk to anybody. And then James is like, hey, buddy, (laughs) good morning. And I'm like, shit, God damn it. Uh, So and then the airport had a massively long line. I ended up with a middle seat on the way back. You were not Um, in a
1: good mood that day.
0: No, I was definitely just like just tired, and I was looking down the barrel. Instead of being able to go home, I was going to London to do you know to do the meetings or whatever. So the whole thing it was just like didn't I didn't have like the the moment of Zen I needed. But yes, it was supposed to be one drink, and it ended up being nine. What do you want from me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh look, um, it was a fun night. They had karaoke and everything. We mentioned that we did crown a two-time EPT winner in Monte Carlo. And we're thrilled that we can talk to him right now because he joins us on this week's podcast. Mike Watson, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: And congratulations once again on taking down your second EPT. Appreciate
2: it. First
0: question, I guess. How do you feel about whether or not, uh, when we're counting two-time EPT champions, should we do EPT online? Should that...
2: Feels What's like a different vote? thing to me, but uh, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm not the record keeper. I'll let uh, other people make those decisions. Um, it's obviously a massive accomplishment that, uh, that I think I pulled off, anyways. I know that's the part. Like, look, uh, my my vote is is yes, only
0: because I think whoever decided that should have thought of it ahead of time. They and did, like okay,
1: right. So it was but- very clearly advertised that this is an EPT main event being played online. It counts as an EPT win with an actual EPT trophy. You can't not count it. Of course, and I think that
0: obviously it was just kind of bad luck, or not bad luck, great luck, and a great
2: accomplishment, but
0: that the same dude won it twice in a row, like, that's crazy.
2: Yeah. Remarkable, but uh, yeah, sounds like it counts. I'm convinced, so.
0: So you're in, uh, you're in, uh, at a Triton event right now in Cyprus um, did not get the invitation to the Triton uh, Invitational. Now, I'm still kind of confused how that works. I-, I feel like you not being invited as a compliment, right?
2: I don't think so, but uh, it probably just speaks uh, more to my complete inability to self-promote than anything else. Yeah. Um- <laughs>
0: How, like, how does it work? Is this, do you end up, is it, is it you split it
2: with whoever invites you? Is that how it works? Uh, there's no rules. I think everyone kind of comes up with their own deals. It really just comes down to the people involved. I know some of the, some of the VIPs don't really want to do any deal making. They just want to play the tournament and they don't, you know, they don't care. Others are trying to get, you know, a very good deal out of whichever pro they invite. So there's, there's a wide variety of things. It sounds like.
0: Okay. Cause I would just invite the worst player I could think of. <laughs>
1: Well, right. going back to the tournament that you did play and the tournament that you did win, I think it's fair to say, Mike, that no two MTTs are alike. How was your six-day journey to victory in this one? Did it feel like a grind? Did it feel like, yeah, I'm kind of like among the chip leaders the whole way? It's a bit of a roller coaster ride. How 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 was the experience of playing down to the final table? First of all,
2: yeah, I think I had a little bit of both. I uh, you know, like my day one, I, I didn't. I made one thousand chips. Uh, so that, you know, didn't start out on fire or anything like that. Uh, but then day two, I really did go on fire. That was probably, you know, the day where everything went like kind of the purest for me. I think I went from 30 to like 700 or something. Uh, and then, you know, things continued going pretty well from there until I guess I got really short. And then I had the Queens against Ace King hand where I was, you know, dead to the Queen on the river and hit it. And then again, at that point it just kind of like the roller coaster went up again and i just started winning pots so when you're going from 30 to 700
0: what is the inner monologue (laughs) is it it, do you still have like a wee or
2: is it just uh muted i mean no you're definitely feeling good when you're winning every hand like that you're winning you know the all-ins whatever you know all these pots that i was winning uh you're definitely feeling really good feeling confident but you you know i've been enough to know like oh this is day two of the tournament like it, it just you know i'm probably going to cash or whatever but this isn't really like matter that much yet you know there's a lot of work to go a lot of days ahead and uh so on the one hand you're feeling good you're excited but on the other hand you're like okay like you got to keep stay in the zone and keep playing for another four days here if you're lucky
1: yeah um obviously the Previous event you won on our tour was the PCA main event back in in 2016. So that's like a, a seven year gap between those two. And I know obviously you've won a hell of a lot in between then, but if you compare the two, which did you find easier? I know it's a really crass question, but what is your recollection of of, of that PCA main event that year?
2: Um. Yeah, I feel like the PCA was one where I kind of just was in there, but I didn't really have a, a big stack. It wasn't like right. one of the chip leaders early on as I recall correctly. Um, I remember maybe it was day four or something. I was, you know, in the money kind of deep. And then I finally won like a big pot and doubled up. I think I made like the nut flush or something in a big pot and got a full double. And then there was like this really, really crazy Brazilian guy who had like some outrageous percentage of the chips in play with like two tables left. You know, like he had like average stack with like four people left with like 16 left and then he ended up getting like 12th and i just played this huge pot against him where i just hero called him down and had him beat by like one pip or something and uh after that i think i kind of felt like okay maybe maybe i can really like win this that was the first time i had like a big stack where i was really in contention um but you know both were tough both final tables when i look at it it was it was all good players i mean certainly the pca i think is more Big names probably that people know, but, yeah, you know, the Monaco final table was maybe lesser known names, but also very strong players as well. So, uh you know, neither, neither one felt easy by any stretch.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Would you would you rather face big names in 2015 or the average studied player in
2: 2023? I, I don't know, Joe. That's a very uh, good question. Uh, I think obviously like my ability was lower in 2015 as well. So I think probably the 2023 final table was probably a little bit more favorable for me compared to 2015, but like, yeah, both, both were definitely tough.
0: And and what, what have you done in the meantime to become a better player other than constant playing? Like what's your sort of approach to improving?
2: Uh, Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of similar to most players now where it's, a lot of, you know, analyzing hands, talking hands with friends, and then also using, um, you know, the AI tools, computer stuff to try to become really like technically proficient at, at parts of the game and uh, and to analyze, you know, questionable hands with that and learn from that way. And then trying to bring that all in with, you know, understanding player tendencies and where you can ideally, hopefully make some deviations, make some, you know, correct big calls or correct big folds or correct big bluffs or whatever, when you, you feel like you have a, a good sense for a player's tendencies. Can you think of any time during this most recent
0: event where you did make a big deviation?
2: Um, I'm sure there were, but I can't really, yeah, not really thinking of any, like right off the top of my head. Um, That's okay. I'm sure it's a
0: difficult thing to go back and be like, ah, here's one second from 500 hands I played, so.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like towards the end, I was a lot less interested in doing that because everyone was was reasonably strong. I mean, there were some times where I did make some kind of big folds that I think were uh, maybe like theoretically justified, and I also thought were good, although a lot of them ended up being wrong, so maybe (laughs) maybe those weren't great, but uh, yeah. uh, I think maybe, probably there was some more on like day two where you know, I was able to make a big call or was able to perhaps, uh, yeah, make a big bluff or something where I might not have otherwise. Turns out it worked out. Yeah. I mean, early stages where you have more sort of, you know, either like recreationals or like weaker professionals or whatever in the tournament, then that's probably more the time where you're looking to do those sorts of things to build your stack. I think at the end, uh, you know, unless you get a really lucky, uh, really lucky draw. You end up having to play a little bit more, just good quality poker and and hope the cards fall your way, usually.
1: Now, every EPT final table delivers interesting hands and moments that kind of stand out more than others. But for me, the biggest takeaway was the heads-up deal that you and Leonard agreed because Toby comes to the stage with his trusty laptop. We get the full speech. Here's the set aside. You can talk to this person. You've got five minutes. His speech was about Ten times as long as the actual deal negotiations themselves. You happy with that number? Happy with that number? Yep, yeah, good. Shake hands. Done. That was it. And I, I honestly don't think we've ever seen a deal agreed that peacefully, amicably, and as quickly at a final table ever.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought about it in the moment. I was like, maybe I could, you know, try to push for a little extra here. Use whatever reputation I have to try to get. A little extra bonus but uh you know he, he's a strong player and uh didn't really you know feel like insulting him or whatever uh i don't know maybe i was too nice of a guy maybe i could have got something <laughs> i guess we'll never know but I, I was happy with it um you know big main event like that it's, uh
1: no I mean, uh, it, was it, okay. it was not a so, disappointment it was a surprise but not a disappointment i thought it was like yeah it's yeah. fair enough those are the chip stacks here's what we're gonna get let's play for the rest boom
2: yeah i yeah i didn't really feel like doing any haggling in the moment so just happy to uh to lock up some money and uh yeah just obviously still play it out of course because i wanted that second title
0: speaking of uh high profile big events uh you've won some really big ones pca monte carlo and you won a really really huge wpT back in the day right yeah so can you rank your levels of joy of those or like what it meant to you in the moment do you f- like you know if it came at a particular time in your life like can you just talk a little bit about the 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 happiness of each of those and which ones were were more special
2: yeah sure Um uh, i mean i think for me it'll always be um the world poker tour and bellagio cup is number one it's still the biggest score of my career to this point uh it came so early in my career it really was just a complete like life-changing moment um, you know, these, these last two EPT wins, PCA, they were both specials, shared them both with my wife, uh, who was there to support me for them. So that was definitely special in some ways. Uh, and you know, the money has obviously been good, but I wouldn't say it was life changing in the same way that that first win was. I think that one will always be pretty hard to top for me. Uh, but yeah, anytime, every, any win, just, it feels amazing. I'll always win a tournament because you know, how many hours have, there's always just such Long droughts, such long, you know, hard hours put in in between wins that, uh, you know, you've got got to enjoy those moments because they don't come around as often as you always hope.
1: Well, talking of tournament wins, Sir Watts has a fair number of scoop titles to his name. We've alluded to the fact that you are in Cyprus at the moment. Does that mean you're going to miss all of this year's scoop?
2: Uh, yeah, Triton ends, I believe, just before the final weekend of Scoop. So I am uh, planning to get to a uh, legal Scoop jurisdiction and uh, get in two or three days of Scoop action.
1: Yeah. It would be, be classic you to show up at like the 11th <laughs> hour and like win two <laughs> trophies this series. Yeah, I think it'll
2: be tough to do on like the last Sunday. The fields are pretty big, but uh, if I do add one, it'll probably be a big one. So I hope I can.
0: Sometimes they add extra events at the end. Maybe they'll just call them like the Sir Watts tournaments. They're like, yeah, we got to make sure that uh, we get a couple more things on the schedule for
2: Mike. Um, yeah, I saw. Short deck on. Uh,
0: is, that, is that your thing now, Short Deck?
2: <laughs> well, relative to the other people, probably, yeah. Yeah, there's
0: uh, some folks coming out of the woodwork in Short Deck scoops this, uh, this this scoop here. I wouldn't be surprised for you to come home, bank one of those. Uh, I saw you tweet saying to not choose you for the WSOP 25K Fantasy Draft
2: this year. Can you please elaborate on that? Yeah, I'm just not planning to play many events this year at the World Series. Um, You know, I prefer playing uh, Triton and the EPT, and uh, so I'm going to come down for a week, play a few events, see my friends, but I'm not uh, not planning to play much of a schedule.
0: I wasn't sure if it was something like, you know, like a reverse Jinx kind of thing. Like, don't nobody pick (laughs) me. Like, I'm probably not, I'm probably dead money this year
2: no unfortunately uh well, not unfortunately but yeah this is just a gonna be a gonna be a short year for me so uh and does that mean no main event yeah i'm uh, i'm planning to skip the main event this year for the first time wow so
0: all right talk to me about this so you're at a place in your life right now where you can be this choosy you don't have
2: to go grind is that something you've earned yeah i mean i think uh, obviously finding a good work-life balance is uh is really important for every player and uh Yeah, I think, you know, the World Series, especially for Canadians, is not always um, the best tournaments of the year. So, uh, you know, I like to travel for Triton, other things. So I just make those bigger priorities. And, you know, being in Canada in the summer is something I'm really uh, looking forward to being there longer. Uh, I've always said I want to spend more time in Canada when it's actually really nice and everyone's out and about and really enjoying themselves. Yeah. All these cold weather places are a lot of fun in the summer. So
1: whereabouts in canada is home for you now mike and 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 as a home how many weeks or months of the year do you actually get to spend there
2: uh yeah i probably in canada maybe seven months of the year or something like oh, that's, that right that's, now that's decent. um yes we had um a lot of time in toronto mostly and then sometimes uh in um in quebec as well i have a place across over there near where my sister lives.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted, you know, you mentioned that the WPT was kind of life-changing for you, and I just want to know what that means in, like, a quantifiable way. Did you go from apartment to a house? Did you go from having a house to a summer home? And what, what is life like for you when you are in Canada?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still usually playing, you know, a little bit online here and there where I can, but, uh, yeah, I, I spend more time with, you know, friends and family. Um but yeah, speaking back to the WPT when I won, definitely that was when I first bought my first condo in Toronto. I moved downtown. I uh, had you know a really nice place. That was probably the one major like purchase that I had. Uh, already had like a car at that point, and I'm not a big car guy, so I didn't I didn't go crazy on that or anything. So it was really just like a nice condo, really you know good place to live, or you know you're going to be spending most of your days and stuff, so you want to have a a good comfortable spot that's what i figured was really worth it um but yeah definitely made it uh so that i wasn't sweating uh money as much at that point in time was able to i think find a little bit more balance with poker and other things in life as well which was important uh it also did i did lose some motivation for a little while there after the big success where i wasn't working as hard at poker wasn't playing as much um and that you know took some time to to come back around and really sort of fall back in love with, with doing the work and playing the game. But, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of the big, uh, the big fallout, I guess, from that score. And so when you talk
0: about balancing other things from poker, what are you into? Are you a kayaker? Do you cook? Are
2: you, are you a yard work guy? I don't have a house. I've always been a condo, so I don't have the yard work. We'll see if I do move into a house in the future, if I'm, if I'm a yard work guy or not, uh, it does kind of feel like part of being a real adult. So maybe it'll happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like to, uh, I've been, you know, running, has been kind of one of my main, uh, athletic wow. activities, I guess, at this Good point in you. my life, I'm a little bit out of it right now, but that was something I hopefully will get back more into, uh, you know, yeah, running, going to the gym, hiking, stuff like that. Definitely a lot of time. And then, yeah, getting out, seeing the city, um, you know, restaurants, sporting games, all that sort of stuff. Uh, really enjoy that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I you know, I just uh, when people are um only focused on poker, I'm always I just want to like shake them and be like, you 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 can do so many other things. Go have fun, go live your life. So I'm glad I'm glad to hear that's that's
2: part of things for you. Yeah. I think it is for most players, but you know, when we're on these trips, we're extremely focused on the poker and that's kind of oh, like yeah. it can be very all-consuming. I think when you're you're playing every day for long hours, uh so it's hard to really You know, people find time to maybe exercise a little bit. But other than that, it's not not a lot. So you you really see that part of people and it's yeah, I think you get in a mindset sometimes too, where it's harder to sort of forget about poker and talk about other things or relax or whatever sometimes because you're so kind of like focused on the next event or the event that you're playing right now or whatever. Well, Mike,
0: we're going to let you get focused on your next event in just a few minutes before I cut you loose from here. uh, It's a tradition on this show that I subject poker players to a very terrible game, a very terrible exercise at the end of these interviews. This week's stupid game is called Elementary, My Dear Watson. And it, yeah, he's already shaking his head. Perfect. Yes, it is. um, I was originally just going to ask you elementary school questions, but I think that you're a little too smart for that and it was going to be too easy for you. So this is uh, a bunch of trivia questions about other people last named Watson. Multiple choice. Okay. All fairly well-known people and maybe because you've been subjected to this sort of dumb line of questioning in your past maybe you know some of these things already. Um, Here we go. Question number one. And they they get progressively harder. So Uh, in which movie... Did Emma Watson play the title character? Is it Colonia, Beauty and the Beast, My Week with Marilyn, or Noah?
2: Hmm. I don't know. Is it Beauty and the Beast?
0: Is that your answer? Yes. Yes, it is Beauty and the Beast. Correct. She was Ew. Beauty and Beauty and the Beast. One I Question number two, along with his partner Francis Harry Compton Crick, what shape is James Watson often credited with discovering? Is it the icoscagon, the triquetra, the double helix, or the
2: shape of my heart? Uh, I assume that would be the double helix uh, DNA The
0: double helix is correct, two for two I knew he was going to get the elementary school questions We had to beef it up a little bit Here we go, question number three Deshaun Watson Is the quarterback For which NFL team? Is it the Cleveland Browns? Browns? There it is, he got it
1: there you He go. got it, didn't, didn't even, even need the choices.
0: you didn't even need my fourth joke answer The Miami Japanese people Okay, question number four Francine Watson is the executive producer of which TV show? Is it the World Poker Tour, the Heartland Poker Tour, the European Poker Tour, or COPS?
2: Oh God, Uh, let's go Heartland Poker Tour. Heartland Poker Tour is Incorrect, unfortunately.
0: First miss there. She's the executive producer of the European Poker Tour. She's
2: our boss. Uh, she is. I figured. Our boss. I, I figured afterward that had to be the answer. They were the best guests. Have I not had Nobody likes anybody. Perfect. Uh, question. There's
0: only seven questions, by the way. Question number five. Activist slash eco terrorist Captain Paul Watson founded the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. Which was later featured in which reality TV series? Is it Deadliest Catch, Whale Wars, Animal Avengers, or Blubber Battles?
2: Wow. Uh, I don't know this one. I'll go with Animal Avengers. Animal Avengers <laughs> is, one I, is one I made up. Whale
0: Wars. Yeah. Whale Wars was the show that featured Captain Paul Watson uh, was going to move on because
2: I knew there'd be some alliteration. Okay.
0: Blub, Blubber Battles is uh, the other one I made up. Okay. Question number six. This one. They're getting tough now. Thomas J. Watson founded which company in 1911? Is it IBM, the American Pacific Whaling Company, Exxon Mobil, or Chuck E. Cheese's. Oh God. Uh, I don't know.
2: Let's go Chuck E. Cheese's. Chuck E. Cheese's
0: was not invented in 1911. Unfortunately, all the other Damn. three were invented uh, really? in 1911. Yeah,
2: IBM was that. Oh yeah, I guess they did something else before computers. I forgot.
0: IBM was the company he founded in 1911, and um, and computers were not far behind.
1: Um, what, what, what did IBM start doing in 1911?
0: I, I Like, analog computers, uh, when I was doing research on this, analog computers uh, like were in the works by, like, the 20s. Like, the wow. 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, question number seven. Here we go. Final question. This is a follow-up question to that one. In 2011, IBM Watson named after Thomas Watson a computer program Played against two humans on Jeopardy. It only missed one question or answer. It was a final Jeopardy. The category was U.S. cities. The answer slash question was its largest airport is named for a World War II hero. Its second largest for a World War II battle. IBM Watson embarrassed itself by giving which answer to that question was it los angeles new york toronto or gotham city
2: <laughs> uh wow well i guess first it of all be... do you know
0: what the real answer is
2: i do not question? i've probably seen this too but i can't remember it Um uh, i'm guessing it must be new york from the answers the, that the you real
0: made. answer is chicago oh, chicago because okay. midway Airport and um uh the okay. other one i forget O'Hare, there you go O'Hare in Midway.
2: gotham but it could be toronto i suppose but it sounds like gotham would be more embarrassing
1: toronto would be gotham's gonna be made up right toronto Got- would be the embarrassing one because it's not in the us yes toronto
0: is correct answer we're gonna have mike that one with, with by hectoring a heart again yeah it it answered toronto uh, or Toronto, as you would said. I don't want to offend you. Uh, but yes, IBM Watson, unfortunately. Um, and then the people uh, – this is a great story too. The people that programmed it had a ton of excuses as to why Toronto wasn't that bad of an answer. <laughs> but, right,
3: right. Uh,
0: I'll leave that up to you guys. Hey, Mike, thanks so much uh, for joining us. We appreciate it. And I hope uh, you win all the stuff at Triton. You're, 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 you're a favorite of ours. All
2: right. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. It is now time for us to draw a line under EPT Monte Carlo as we turn our attention to Scoop. Well, the 2023 Spring Championship of Online Poker is pretty much at the halfway point now, but we're only a third of the way through our streams. We covered three events this week, and we're back Monday to Wednesday next week Before we get into covering the main event and the Super High Roller in the final week of the series, I think it's fair to say that Scoop 2023 is really delivering when it comes to stories. So let's check in with our Scoop correspondent. He's got the looks, he's got the brains, he's Howard Swayze. And Howard, the good news is we are not confined by the limits of a 5 minute tournament break so we can take our time and truly enjoy your company joe especially he was singing your praises earlier on howard knows i love him
0: howard howard and i <clears throat> haven't had a real heart to heart in probably 10 years but uh but i got I love him. i just love looking at his face sorry it's a podcast <laughs> and you can't see it but howard <laughs> i guess before you get into telling us what you have to tell us james mentioned there's a lot of good stories does it ever, is it ever overwhelming everything that's going on during scoop if have you ever just like ah fuck this <laughs>
3: i mean i'm, I'm ever not to that it would be a more uh more perfect question. <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah i mean so, uh, especially when i was doing the daily updates i used to get up have to get up really early and do it so you wake up and then you kind of like scroll through the results and it's like oh well, wow there's a good winner there's a good winner and then the more good winners you get the more you realize you got right and the more you realize you got to talk about the more reporting you got to do and so it just becomes yeah a little bit uh, a little bit too much but in many ways that's better than having not Enough to write about because, uh, sure, and it can be kind of like a you know, dredging up stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I, I do, I do enjoy it. Like, there's a lot of interesting stories that come out of these big, big tournament
1: series. Yeah, I mean, we've caught up three times this week already, and there's been absolutely no dredging necessary. But before we kind of recap the series so far, let's kind of get up to date. Let's start with last night's headlines. So to be clear, we're recording this podcast on Thursday the 18th. So we're talking about what happened on Wednesday the 17th. We were covering the 1K Super Tuesday. What else went down?
3: Yeah, weirdly actually, uh, given what we've just been saying, last night was actually one of the nights where there wasn't a huge amount of stuff. Uh, okay. Obviously, about 10, 10 tournaments finished, but like not a huge number of players we recognised were actually winning last night. The best known winner uh, last night, Wednesday night, as you said, is Oliver Vice. Uh, he plays a skill mode. I mean, his, his his username's got a few like little weird punctuations in it. It's skill mode. Uh, yeah, he won the second of this series. Uh, that's the fourth of his career. So he's won a six-plus event uh, this year. And last night, he won a 2K PKO. That was the event that Rui NF, Rui Ferreira, was at the final table that we talked right. about on the stream. Uh, Rui actually finished third in that. So the winners from the other events like weren't really all that well known. And as we discussed, that's actually been pretty unusual for this, this scoop where uh, we've known a lot about a lot of the players. So
0: I, I do have a question. So obviously we're covering Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Is scoop still happening the rest of the week, like, or is it just uh, is it top loaded into <laughs> into where we're talking, speaking to I each other? I
1: think the only rest day is Friday. Is that right, Howard?
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, there's a bunch of side events as well these days. So, like, they, we we always talk about the main scoop designated tournaments. So they're the ones which you know, carry a scoop title. But there's uh, so and that that Friday is the rest day for that. So if you some of the two day events that begin on Thursday, they finish on Saturday. Uh, all the other six days, there's tons of stuff. And then even on that so called rest day, they're still playing the uh, the side events.
1: But yeah, Can't I would that. say you were right that the key theme of this series does seem to be big name dominance players who we recognize either by their real name by their online handle or both winning their seventh eighth title their second title I mean how many multiple winners have we had this series yeah
3: multiple winners we're already up to uh, eight of those yeah. So
0: when you sorry again, let's define multiple winners. We mean multiple within the same yes. scoop this year.
3: Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes, sorry. Yeah, to be clear, and we've only so we've only had double winners so far. We haven't had a triple winner. That's that's almost certain to change, I'd say, by this time next week. But so we've had eight double winners, and that's actually quite a lot. It seems a lot to me for this stage. We always end up with a lot of them, but they're usually sort of like come in the sort of the final week and stuff. So uh, yeah, at the moment we've, we've had a lot of people, a lot of people we know, a lot of people we don't know. If I could just focus in on two particular of the double champions. So we've had this guy, Sweden's David Eriksson. Uh, he won two in the same night and that's still a big achievement. That really doesn't happen very often, wow. despite the fact that lots of players now win two per this per series in the same night. That's pretty incredible. And I think there's this, we need to talk about this Slovenian guy called Zerz. Jav. He plays as Scar Maker. Uh, he's been getting a lot of attention uh on some like smaller media outlets. I've seen his name quite a bit. And now he's seen he's moving into the EPT a little bit. Uh so he played in Prague, he played in Paris, he played in Monte Carlo, and he was at the PCA as well. So he's won two scoops this year. He's really making a name for himself. He's clearly one of the young guns, and I just think that. You know, you're probably going to be seeing him on EPT Live at some point soon. Uh, you know, the live streams from the EPTs. And I just think he's going to be one to watch. Uh, he's won two scoops, and that's a really good indication that someone who's, like, you know, going places.
0: That's really interesting, Howard. I'm glad you point that out to us because I've, I kind of felt like the young guns uh, uh, that we've been mentioning aren't that young anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, and they're, the new class of poker players has not been as many as... as there haven't been as many of them uh, as in years past, right? Like the waves have kind of gotten smaller of new sort of young talent coming into the game, new names on the scene. It's been a while uh, since we've had some new names. So I think that uh, it's cool to have someone to look out for. I appreciate that. Uh,
3: yeah, I really agree because uh, we, we talk about it on Pokestars blog, my, myself and Jack Stanton, my colleague there, and that's why Alex Kulev has been such a great story because we yes. watched him doing like destroying it online. And then now he's like moved into the main events, and the super high rollers. And so we were trying to figure out who are the other, who are the next Alex Kulevs. And this guy just might be one of them. And there's a few others, a few f- young French guys. But yeah, I agree with you. There's this, there's, there's few and far between. So it's always nice to, to try and think who's going to, you know, push on, push on to the next level.
1: So player of the series race, when we talk about it on the live stream, we tend to focus on the overall competition, right? Because... We're pushed for time and it's the big one with a 25k first prize but there are the three other leaderboards right for low medium and high yeah that's right so that's four
3: leaderboards overall so one just for low designation one for medium one for high and then one for overall which combines all of them and there's prizes for each of them so there's 5k for the low there's uh, sorry it's 5k to win the low 10k to win the medium 15k to win the high and then 25k for all of them for the the overall Uh, now the overall is a winner takes all and that's you know the biggest prize all the others like have a kind of sliding pay scale as well uh yeah so we we tend to focus on the overall where we've got this kind of great little run in at the moment between uh Rui Ferreira and James Wittet who's the drunk life uh they've switched lead now each of the last three days they've gone well you know uh, Rui then Wittet then Rui again so it's like uh, it's pretty exciting and I also know today that Patrick Leonard has crept in, into contention too. Oh, of course, too, he's he now, has. Yeah, so he's <laughs> now fourth. He's now a, he's a perennial challenger, obviously. So uh, yeah, Jerry O'Dean's in there as well. So that's going to be a really good race to to watch, I think. Uh, now uh, Witter is we, winning the high race at the moment with Rui behind him, and with only five points separating them. And then in the low leaderboard, there's like that no one that's actually into the overall is 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 also on the low leader board but what it tends to happen is you've got to get your most of your points from the high and the medium and then a random, you know, a random result in the low that probably you're playing as one of eight tables or something. You finish final table there, you get a chunk of points. And that sometimes puts these big, like high stakes grinders over the edge to, you know, to win, to yeah. win the overall title. So that's how it tends to normally work. But both Rui and Witta, they play everything. And so, you know, that's, that's always, we always say this, this is the key to win the leaderboards. It's just volume. You've got to play them all really.
1: So, Reefer Ferreira is a former player of the series. Patrick Leonard is the reigning player of the series. What do we know about James Wittitt? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? We don't know too much about him. So, I mean, I, I've looked him up.
3: Uh, so, we don't have many like live results about him, but I looked him up today. Uh, country, he he, Sorry,
0: did you already say what country he's from?
3: So he represents Hungary, but obviously James Wittett does not sound like a very Hungarian name. And that's because he doesn't sound like he is. So he bounced around a lot as a child. He is. So he has a website uh, because he's now a poker coach and a uh, a sort of like, you know, a leadership, you know, uh, mindset coach. That's the word. Um, So he... uh, I looked at his website and he's got his full biography on there. He was born in the UK, he moved around a ton of different countries when he was still a child. Uh, he's lived in the, the States and he's obviously washed up now in Hungary. I don't know what, don't specifically know why Hungary, but he says he did some stand-up in, uh, in New York. That was one of his things early on. He wanted huh. to be a, a comedian. Uh, then he became a poker player and so he was in the US playing uh online poker before black friday then black friday you know made him move out of the us again so he came back to europe and that's when he set up his coaching site Uh, i mean he's still obviously really good at poker because he plays uh you know he plays everything as we said all variants he's got a bunch of results from the world series in all the mixed games uh and he's going to fight for this player of the series it seems so uh, yeah he, he does seem like a really interesting guy actually for someone that you know we don't really know all that much oh, about he's,
0: he's handsome too jeez oh,
1: well let's uh <laughs> I'm, let's I'm, uh, you know
0: what I, this guy just stand up he's very good looking uh, I, I don't need this guy <laughs> in the scene just going to say
1: joe couple of weeks time scoop <laughs> recap podcasts we need some guest suggestions so maybe we should put him on the list Yeah. Um, <sighs> Let's talk countries (laughs) and I kind of think it's becoming almost like dull to talk about Brazil because every online series we cover, whether it's Scoop, whether it's WCOOP, whether it's Winter Series, Brazil just win like, you know, anything between 25 and 33% of the titles. So let's talk about how some of the other nations are doing, Howard. (laughs) <laughs>
3: yeah, well, we, the, some of the other nations. Well, I want to I want to point out that we've had our first winner from Kyrgyzstan this hey. time. Uh, a player called Ant Killer. He he won one, and so we've also seen winners from Slovenia, Slovakia, Kazakhstan. They don't win. Very often now, I think what we're probably seeing is we're finding out where a lot of Russian players are moving to. That's just like kind of an interesting observation. Kazakhstan, in particular, there's been a lot of uh, winners from there. A lot more players this time. Uh, yeah, but I, I always like to, you know, it's it's hard now to get a new country on the uh, on the list of that we've got. But yeah, Kyrgyzstan were there. I think we had a uh, player from Nicaragua at a, fe- at a final table yeah. we were covering this week. Uh, so he would have been the first, or he or she, I don't know, would have been the first from. Uh, uh nicaragua but didn't quite get over the line anyway you know it, it they're they're um brazil brazil you know they've got 45 titles at the time of recording you know <laughs> and they're just buzzers swarming all over the place as you say uh, i still think it's impressive though i mean we, it is boring but it's uh it's still pretty good to see to see that many people uh you know taking up the game and getting good at it
1: of course um and last but by no means least, and there is a heavy caveat, caveat here, which is that the info will be out of date as soon as this podcast is published. But as things stand, what are the series stats, the headline numbers? Okay, right now, uh, we have got 164
3: tournaments are completed. Seven are still in progress at the time of recording. Uh, so they have, we have had 551,000 entries. Uh, <laughs> we have had prize pools of $35 million and first place prizes are $5,306,000 uh, you know plus a little uh, change that I haven't mentioned there so yeah big numbers as always and as you say halfway so looking to more than double that because the main event obviously adds tons tons at the end there
1: of course well we'll get updated numbers when we next talk to you which will be on our next live stream on Monday exclusive on the Pokestars Twitch channel 6pm UK time 7pm Central European Summer Time. but Howard for now thank you very much Cheers guys, have a good night. Before we go, it is time for this week's Super Fan versus Stapes, we say hello to Jamie McHugh. Hello, Jamie.
4: Hi guys, how's it going? What it's going is well. up, Jamie? Hey, buddy.
1: Now, Joe has a lot to say about this movie, so if you don't mind, I would like the elevator pitch version of your life story. <laughs> Tell us about yourself as quickly as you possibly can.
4: Elevator pitch. Oh, hang on, you got the music for that. Uh, very, very quickly. Um, yeah, studied in Aberdeen in Scotland f- all my life. Uh, went to university, got into teaching when I was 21, 22, and I've been there ever since. It's a uh, great job. Love it what do you teach Uh, physics and science so uh, yeah it's uh, great fun fuck yeah I'm trying to remember my
0: physics teacher's favorite line he used to say to me was no but you can sit down (laughs) 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 it's kind of where I got thank you for your question from was from my physics
4: teacher more or less Uh, were you were you that uh, Bart Simpson kid who put a hand up all the time um, I was somewhere in between. Yeah, I was a bit of a class
0: clown, but also a gigantic pussy. So like, I never really did anything that bad.
1: So does that mean you approach the game of poker with an analytical scientific mind?
4: Yeah, I I tried that. I had a few apps and I went, nah, let's, let, let's just go with the gut. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So... We need to talk about the movie you selected as your specialist subject. I was very happy to see it as a suggestion because I think it's a great movie, an underrated movie, A Bridge Too Far, World War II movie from the 1970s. Joe, you invested three hours of your time in watching this.
0: Yeah, so I think this movie has a couple of things holding it back from being a great movie. I think it's a good movie. I think there's a couple of things holding it back, and maybe it's not even... I think much like Operation Market Garden itself... It, try, it tries a little too much. There's a little too much going on in this movie to make it, um, no one really has a chance to shine except for, I think, maybe Robert Redford. Um, everyone else, I feel like, is very underutilized. I, I feel like we didn't spend enough time with any one particular character. Um, and I also thought it was kind of missing... Now, look, I know the movie's a bummer. I know it's about, like, a bummer of an operation. I don't think it needed a happy ending. Uh, but I do. I would have liked to see some sort of closure um, in, in history the way they told us at the beginning. Here's where we are at the war. Here's what led up to this. Da-da-da. And all we really get at the end of the movie is them hearing that the general thought it was a 90, 90% success. Um, and I would have liked to see some numbers this many people were lost but the allies were able to achieve this from it blah bah, 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 bah. and maybe that's intentional maybe we're supposed to feel the same way the soldiers felt which is why did I just sit through three hours of this despite it being like I said no I've a, 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 a good movie a good movie um I just thought like there were some things about it that made it I I know why it's underrated I think it's probably perfectly rated um it, it is a decent war movie it just didn't quite have a f- of and f- i don't mean ending a finish for me
1: i think the problem is is because it catalogues a failure rather than a success and i think it's fair to say jamie that most movies made by america and the uk in the wake of world war 2 celebrate operations that went well
4: yeah absolutely no no uh, officer Market garden i think w- was a success to a point but you know as they, they the movie suggests, uh, or the title suggests, it was too much. But at the same time, if you don't, you know, shoot for the moon, you know, it's it's it it's absolutely, you know, bonkers. Have you been to Arnhem, anyone? Uh, no,
0: I have not been to any part of no, Holland other than I, Amsterdam.
4: I don't know if poker Stars are going to to uh, Holland this year, but if you get half a chance, go down to Arnhem, see 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 the bridge, see the museum. It is. Superb. I mean, you don't know how wide that river is and how big the bridge is until you get there. That's not a terrible idea, actually, James. Something else. So I did have a
0: few more things to say about the movie, some positive stuff. That was my overall assessment. First of all, this had to be one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time. It was a very
1: expensive movie, and it did not perform well at the box office. And interestingly, William Goldman writes about it in his book, Adventures in the Screen Trade, because obviously he wrote the screenplay for it. And he described it as one of his... Best experiences working on a movie until the reviews came out, and he said the biggest problem they faced is they made it too real, and no one believed it because every incident in this movie is based on fact, and no one believed it. The whole thing with James Caan, that whole yeah. subplot, real. Yeah. The fact that Ryan O'Neill, you know, that obviously playing a general who's that young, the character that he plays was genuinely that young. No one bought it. No one believed it
0: interesting um and i the, the the what i part of the realness of it don't let the pg rating on this movie fool you this movie Get is on. fucked this movie is violent yeah. as fuck it's also like and again i'm not going to say whether it's a good or bad it's a little uneven which i guess also war is right there's moments of levity there's moments of of joy and and laughter and then there's like really intense insane violence and when i watch a movie from this era especially the 70s You don't know if you're going to have like the whitewashed, happy version of a war movie like The Great Escape where there's still bad things that happen. But really, I mean, there's nothing that disturbing in it Uh, versus this movie where all of a sudden you're like maybe an hour into it and then someone has their face fucking blown off. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh shit, this is one of those 70s movies, Mm -hmm. not one of the, the happy ones. So that was... Uh, basically, I, I might have to put an end to movies that are bum me out, because this was at times a very difficult watch.
4: It, it, it definitely has its moments, that, that's for sure. And But I mean, it, it what I like or don't like about it is that it doesn't glamorize what it was. Yeah, sure. I think that's a fair, comment. A fair Except, comment. And also, I mean, we have to mention this.
0: Um uh, the uh, who, who was it, trying to do a Polish accent? I mean, no. Mm-mm. Oh, that, um, that... Uh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman in his, yeah. his Polish accent. No, no. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: <laughs> okay, let's get to the quiz, shall we? Ten questions compiled by Patrick, who wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Uh, Jamie, as yeah. our superfan, as our guest, you get to go first, so please give me a number between one and ten. Oh, you know it's always coming seven. Number seven, how many days are there between the announcement of the operation and the actual deployment of troops?
4: Uh, this was done at short. notice. I think it was seven
1: days. The answer to question seven is indeed seven. You get two <laughs> points. <laughs> Joe, what question would you like?
0: Uh, let's go with question number five.
1: Who directed the film?
0: Uh, hold on.
1: Richard Attenborough. Indeed, Dickie Attenborough, who was, of course, the star of The Great Escape that you just referenced a short while ago. Uh, second question, Jamie. Oh, let's let's go with one. Go Number from... one. Nice, easy question. Which bridge is the main target for the operation? Bridge over, over Arnhem, at, at Arnhem, sorry. Yeah. Indeed, for two points. Joe. Uh, question 10, please. What is the name of Dirk Bogard's character? What is the name of Dirk Bogard's character? Multiple choice options are available. I'm going to have to
0: take the choices, but I'm just going to think
1: about it for a second. Dirk Bogard.
0: Yeah, I'll take the choices.
1: Does he play Lieutenant Frederick Browning, Lieutenant Brian Horrocks, Brigadier Gerald Lathbury, or Lieutenant John Frost? Frost was... The guy that... Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Frost.
1: It was Browning. Browning. (sighs) That might have been the toughest question, but sometimes it comes down to luck of the draw. Uh, Jamie, you're up next. Two, three, four, six, eight, and nine still available. Let's go two. Let's go two. Who plays Major General Urquhart?
4: Oh. I think I know who it is, but I'll take the options.
1: Is it Sean Connery, Michael Caine, Ryan O'Neal, or Laurence Olivier?
4: Yeah, Sean Connery.
1: Yes. Yeah. for two points. <laughs> one point. One point, because oh. you took the options. Still have a 5-2 lead, though. Three, four, six, eight, or nine, Joe? Three. What is the name of the military operation? Operation
0: Market Garden.
1: There we go. <laughs> okay, you know that, any- balanced, that balanced out question 10, I guess. It does. It does, and you're now only one point behind. Four, six, Ooh. eight, or nine? Yeah, let's go for What song do the British troops sing at the end of the film? Oh, man, um, I'm going to need options for that. Is it God Save the Queen, Abide With Me, Amazing Grace or Hallelujah? Abide With Me. For one point. So, Joe, you can yeah. tie the game if you can get two points on the next question. Six, eight or nine. Give me number nine, please. In what year was the actual operation conducted?
0: I don't see a point to taking the choices.
1: I can tell you that at least none of the options, all of the options are within the time frame of 1939 to 1945. There's
0: no like, or is it 1917? Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with
1: 1943. 44. Wait for ah, okay, chance to put it Behind you, chance to seal the win here, Jamie. How many... Oh, sorry, six or eight? Ha! And it's going in. Options.
4: Eight. Let's go eight.
1: Okay. How many soldiers did the operation intend to drop behind enemy lines?
4: Um, again, I think I...
1: know but i options. 35,000, 50,000, 60,000 or 75,000?
4: 35,000.
1: For a point. So Joe, you're playing for dignity. And what year was the film released?
0: Nineteen seventy five.
1: Seventy seven. So the final score is seven <laughs> points to Jamie, four points to Joe. Congratulations, Jamie. You I'll have take,
4: it. I'll won take it.
1: this game of Superfan versus Stapes. That means tournament ticket, pipe merch,
4: and smashing. This is what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Well, at least all those soldiers died for something. Before I go, guys, I just want to say you guys have been awesome on telly. You guys have been awesome online. You've been awesome on my podcast for a great number of years now, and you know I am just not worthy. We are. Oh, Jamie. We we we, we are supremely you know for your commentary and everything else. I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, bring back Channel Four stuff because I think the production is great. But I mean, online stuff's great too. Watch this space, Jamie. Oh, yeah.
1: Jamie, thank you very much for volunteering to come on the show. Thank you for suggesting this movie and congrats once again.
4: Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, my babies. Coming up next time, we're going between the lines.
1: Yes, we're going to talk about the new video series that we teased on the Monte Carlo live stream. Oh. It's this collaboration between PokerStars and Oracle Red Bull Racing. And it's comparing and showcasing and documenting classic iconic moments in Formula One recent history with classic moments in EPT history as well.
0: Very cool. And so we have a a guest
1: related to that? We're going to talk about strategy, principally Formula One strategy, with a guy called Will Courtney, who's the head of race strategy for Red Bull. And even though we've just recapped the EPT that took place in Monaco. Will is going to help us preview the Monaco Grand Prix.
0: Remind me that I want to ask Will this question. Head of race strategy, what will that compare to, to like a sports team that we would know? Is that like a GM, a coach, uh, the head coach? Um, I- I'm curious uh, what, what, how, what the parallel is. Cause I don't know a lot about F1. I assume you don't either, James. I'm looking forward to finding out more because people seem real fucking into it.
1: Well, I would say write it down on one of your Post-its so that you don't forget. (laughs) Not that Post-it, maybe. While we're reminding people of things, I would say, guys, that if you haven't already joined the Pokestars Discord server... You should, and there is a link in the podcast description. We do have dedicated channels to the Poker in the Yes podcast, including one for superfan applications. And if you have recently applied to be a superfan, I would urge you to check your DMs, check your direct messages, because chances are you will have an invitation waiting for you. If you Ooh. don't respond, we cannot get in touch, we cannot book you in. So apply publicly but then we keep the conversation private and then we'll get you booked in for a future show so make sure your DMs are open make sure you check them
0: be on the lookout for the James Hardigan DM slide alright my babies that is all the time we have got for this week's show until next time until next time until next time where we're going between the lines (laughs) for James Hardigan I am Joe Stapleton smell you later